in a time where dissenting voices are silenced, suppressed, and deleted. This is your place to hear the raw, real truth about what's going on in this crazy world and how you can hold your power and thrive in life through it all. Here, we cut through the BS big tech censorship to bring you what you really need to hear to help you remember the infinite potential and power that you hold. From spiritual connection to natural health remedies, history and corruption, to mindset, manifestation, and so much more. This is the place to hear the truth and to be inspired. Welcome to the Uncensored Truth Podcast with me, Dr. Seth Gerlach. In this episode, we speak with Dr. Melissa Sell, who explains the ins and outs of German new medicine. She talks about how conflicts in our lives, even minute, can lead to symptoms and even what we consider chronic disease. She talks about the origins of most cancers, gut and brain issues. We even go into my story with German New Medicine. This is great information that I think everyone can benefit from. I hope you listen and I hope you enjoy. All right, I'm here today with Dr. Melissa Sell. Doc, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm excited because we've known each other for a little bit. I've actually worked with you personally too. And we were just talking about your new cow that you have and ducks and all kinds of stuff. So we can talk about that yes. today too. You're doing the farmstead life. Actually, our ducks just recently started giving eggs, which is extremely exciting. Yum. But now I've got the battle with the ground squirrels and the mm. ravens and trying to handle all of the farm life and the, the things that are trying to eat the ducks food. And it's pretty fun. It's like you trade one set of problems for like squirrel problems. And mouse problems totally, but, and stuff. Oh my gosh, yes. We have a little mouse. His name, we call him Templeton. He actually has stowed away in our car and I've driven down to LA. <laughs> and then a little mouse runs across the windshield. I don't know. It's been really quite an adventure. And we really, it's fun to interact with physical reality. That's why yeah. I'm really into the farm life stuff because everything is so virtual and digital and computers and screens, but shoveling cow poo and feeding ducks. It's just so tangible and yeah. it's so physical that I really enjoy it. Yeah, it just brings you back down to the earth with the, oh, I love it. That's cool. So if you don't know, Doc, Dr. Melissa Sells a chiropractor and a health mindset coach. She helps people to understand their symptoms from a perspective of the five biological laws of Germanic healing knowledge. She also guides people in learning how to trust their bodies and teaches mental shifts for creating a deep sense of peace and well-being. So excited to get into this today. So really appreciate you being here. I do want to start, and I've put together a list of some of my favorite quotes from you. So maybe we can go from there. One of them says, your physical body is the external physical expression of your inner state of consciousness. Your symptoms reveal your doubts, fears, worries, and insecurities. Can we dive into that a little bit? And then we can get into maybe what German new medicine is. Totally. Yeah. And this is when you get down into the physical tissue and when what kind of it gets you into a really big existential question. Do you believe that the physical body is what manifests consciousness or that consciousness is what manifests the physical body? Which is the age old question, chicken or the egg, what came first? And the materialistic perspective is that the material manifests the consciousness and the consciousness is just a fluke of the material spontaneously bumping into each other and evolving in a, in a haphazard sort of way. Whereas the consciousness materializes physical form and comes and plays in this physical realm. That's the, the big picture existential cosmic understanding that I come from. And that makes a lot of sense when you look at the meaning, meaningfulness of everything 
in our biology and that the biology is this answer. It's this physical way that the body interfaces with the external world through the medium of consciousness. And when this kind of gets into really how does the body translate these experiences we have, if we are in a shock, if we have a worry, if I have a death fright, if I have a self-devaluation, if I feel cheated, if I feel broken, if I feel like something's wrong with me, my biology responds, it answers, it gives solution. The only solution it has access to is by changing my tissues. And so when we look at chronic symptoms, issues on the physical body and we understand what's the meaning of this tissue what's the biological purpose why did you know our consciousness manifest through this physical form and when you can see it through that lens symptoms start to make perfect sense we start to see what are your chronic fears what are your chronic worries what are the shocks the conflicts that have happened in your life that are unresolved and why is your body still expressing this adaptation it's because the situation is unresolved. The conflict isn't finished. We have to find a resolution to our conflicts, which in some cases means changing our life, quitting our job, moving out to the country, returning to the biologic structure, living in harmony with our biological codes. It's the big ask for a lot of people in the modern world to really embrace and live by this biological code because we've come so far from it. Yeah, it's a huge topic and it gets into really all the details of what it is to be human. So can I paraphrase and let me know if I'm butchering this completely, but the side of Germany medicine and you also would be to say most, almost all, if not all symptoms, diseases, things like that are a result of your emotions, conflicts, and all those things that are on this loop pattern in the body that are unresolved. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit it's about amazing. German new medicine, what it is, and then like how this helps everybody? Totally. So this is the discovery of a German medical doctor who experienced a tragedy in his family in 1978. There's actually a documentary that just came out a couple of weeks ago on Netflix called The King Who Never Was. And this goes through the story of the shooting of Dr. Hammer's son. So it's like this really crazy story with the exiled prince of Italy and the whole saga. So the documentary is great just for historical context. It gives just a little bit about Dr. Hammer. Oh, he has this crazy cancer theory and they dismiss his discovery. They don't, so the documentary isn't about that, but that gives you the context of the shooting that led to Dr. Hammer's 17-year-old son dying. And so that was the shock that a few months after the death of his son, Dr. Hammer discovered he had testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. When he and his wife were both medical doctors and were discussing that, this cancer had to do with the loss of their son, Derek. And he then had the opportunity to, he headed up an oncology unit and started to talk to cancer patients. And he started to see that every man with testicular cancer specifically had some type of tragic loss. Every woman with glandular breast cancer had a very profound worry for a loved one. Everyone with lung cancer had a death right shock. Everyone with colon cancer had an ugly, indigestible situation that was causing them anger. So he started seeing, ooh, this pattern started to emerge that these cancers weren't random. They weren't just the result of genes going awry. They weren't just the result of random toxicity. They were specific. 
and they seem to have a purpose. And when you really think about one of the amazing things that Dr. Hammers, through his observation, discovered is the logic in all of it. Like, it makes sense. Think about an organism that loses its offspring. And so here's a profound shock. I've lost my child. There's grief. There's there's sadness. There's all of this. But the flavor of it is my offspring is gone. And so when the psyche registers my offspring is gone, doesn't it make sense that it would take the organ where the offspring comes from and enhance its ability to produce offspring? And it's, oh, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so for the men, that's the testicles. For the woman, that's the ovaries. Wouldn't it make sense if you were really worried about an injured child, a loved family member who's not doing very well, and you're just so worried? What's the ancient correlate? What would my body have the capacity to do? I'm worried. My child's sick. My child's not okay. They're bleeding out. My body has the ability to produce breast milk to nourish that loved one. And so the breast gland has the ability to enhance. It goes into super mode. So the lungs, if I'm in a death fright, if I'm being chased by a wild animal, which sometimes my cow will chase us, and it's pretty scary because she's eight. she's a mini cow, but she's like 800 pounds. And it's like thrilling, but also pretty scary. I'm like, gosh, if there was actually a big scary animal chasing you and you have to run, your lung alveoli has the ability to go into super mode. It enhances so it can absorb more oxygen. So every breath I'm taking in, more oxygen is getting into my blood, out to my muscles so I can get away. And so this whole beautiful system, and he actually, Dr. Hammer had dreams where his son who had died was like, yes, you're under, you're getting it. There's more for you to discover. So he was led in this really interesting way to furthering and furthering this discovery and this entire map of how biology functions was revealed to him through study through watching consistency. And that was that's one of the things about Dr. Hammer's work that is unique and different among all alternative, all psychosomatic, anybody who's ever said mind-body. This isn't just mind-body. This is a specific, reliable, reproducible map. He wouldn't put it in his system if it wasn't present every single time. So I consider this to be the language of nature, the most accurate description we have of how the body functions. And I think every practitioner, I don't care what you do, should be using this biological map to decode and understand what's going on with your clients. Yeah, super fascinating and interesting once you get into this and start connecting dots. I want to start with cancer and then I want to come back to some of these other things because I know cancer is a hot topic. And so you're saying cancer is a protective or an adaptation mechanism of the body, right? And it shows up in different places regarding different conflicts or would you call them traumas? Or are they not, did they not mention like traumas here? And then let's go into the different yeah, so you types. Could use, cancer. Yeah, the word trauma just has a certain connotation. I feel the specific phrase used by Dr. Hammer is a conflict shock. Mm -hmm. It's also called a Dirk Hammer syndrome. So the DHS. So this is a moment mm -hmm. where you are caught off guard. So certainly a, a trauma can fit into that category. So you're caught off guard. You weren't prepared for it. It was completely unexpected, highly acute, a dramatic thing you weren't ready for. And so your psyche, before you even have words to describe what has happened, your psyche has registered kind of the flavor, the dynamics of this situation and the by your body mind. So the deeper part of you determines your innate intelligence determines which biological adaptation program is 
best suited to help us survive the situation. So yeah, so we can have a death fright. That's one flavor. We could have a self-devaluation. We could have a, a territorial conflict, an anger conflict. We could have uh, a resistance conflict. When these, depending on, again, what happened, will determine whether we need more blood sugar or if we need an enhanced ability to digest or we need an enhanced ability to hear. We need an ab advanced ability to do something so the tissue adapts while we're in the conflict. And then once we resolve the conflict, once we're out of the danger, the body has to set that tissue. So we get, went into super mode for a period of time. And then the body has to set that tissue back to normal homeostasis mode. And that's when we experience the majority of our symptoms. So when we think, oh, now I'm sick, this is when the body is going through this tissue restoration process. So if we built up extra tissue during the conflict, we have to decompose and break that tissue down. If we broke tissue down during the conflict, so an example of this would be like a duct or like the coronary arteries, for example. When you have a territorial loss conflict, your coronary arteries widen because it's like we need to get more blood pumping to the heart so we can get out of this territorial situation. And so we widen and then we have to repair. And so the ducts go into repair, the arteries go into repair during the healing phase. And this is when most people think they're sick. This is when most people get diagnosed with a cancer once they become really tired or they start having night sweats. And when you see that the symptoms we've correlated with disease, with something going wrong, is in fact something going profoundly right. It's the body going through its normal adaptation process following a specific type of shock. So a person who's been diagnosed with something, one, the whole process of diagnosis is another shock. So we get shocked because we discover there's an adaptation on our body, but allopathic medicine doesn't recognize, doesn't understand where cancer comes from. Does it, it says, oh, sorry, you're just one of the unlucky ones. It was just your genes or it was your environment or just bad luck. And sorry about it, but we're going to have to do this $150,000 treatment and you're going to have your organs. And it's like, how scary is that? Or even a person feels a lump and then they Google, oh, what's this? And then oh, the shock of, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And so we can see how the misunderstanding, the misinterpretation of cancer of disease has caused people to become even more afraid of their bodies, which initiates additional shocks, which is why, again, this map is vital for every individual to understand. So when something goes on, if you know, see blood in the toilet and you're like, oh my gosh, blood, what does this mean? Terrible things. But if you know this map, oh, I resolved an indigestible morsel conflict. My body is now breaking down that tissue. This blood is an indication of healing. This blood is an indication of a resolved conflict. It changes everything. Yeah. Could we talk about breast cancer in particular for a minute? Because I know this, so many people deal with this and it's a, a, God, what is it? A billion plus, I can't remember how many billions of dollars interest it is now. And there's walks for the cure and Susan G. Komen and there's mammograms and all these different testings and chemo and radiation. Where, where does breast cancer from GNM perspective arise? And then what do you do to address this? There's two different types of tissue. We have to always look at what tissue is involved because the tissue that is part of this map and understanding how does this tissue behave when there is a conflict. So we've got the breast gland that produces the breast milk and then we have the breast duct that carries the breast milk from the gland to the nipple. And so the breast gland conflict comes, it's controlled from the brain region of the cerebellum. It's old mesodermal tissue. So what that means is that it thickens. 
it proliferates during the active conflict. So glands get bigger so they can produce more of whatever juice they produce. So for the breast, it's the breast milk. And so we enhance the breast gland. This is like a, an adden, um, adenocarcinoma is what they're called from a cancer perspective. And so this gets bigger during the conflict. And then once it's resolved, the body uses bacteria to decompose the tumor. And so this is, if you have a smelly discharge from the breast, that is the tubercular bacteria breaking down the tissue that's no longer needed. And if a person has a one-time conflict, and this is why things like this happen. A woman has a worry. She's worried for a few weeks. She resolves it. She won't even know that it's there. She'll go through this healing process, maybe have some night sweats, but she doesn't even know that it has happened. And we know that this occurs and they actually change diagnoses all the time because they're like, oh, these things actually tend to go away on their own or they probe the body or they catch it at a really early stage and they get you all freaked out. But it, it was something that likely you just experienced. You had a conflict. If you take a snapshot at a certain moment in time, you might see something and get taken down this whole path of treatment when a lot of times these things, again, they just decompose on their own. And medicine doesn't have any explanation for that, for lumps and bumps that are there and then just go away on their own. They're just like, let's ignore that reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's the breast gland. Now the breast duct, this tends to be the more common type of can- like ductal, intraductal cancers. And this has to do with a separation conflict. So this is a feeling like something's been torn from your breast. Obviously, this could be a baby, so it could be a miscarriage, a partner, feeling like your partner's been torn from your breast, a betrayal, feeling like your life has been stolen away from you. And so the duct during that conflict will widen because the correlation, the ancient correlation in the biology is if I feel like this desperate sense of separation, the body thinks I've lost my baby. And in that case, the breast duct will widen to siphon off any breast milk that's no longer needed. And then during the healing phase, that widened duct needs to repair. And so when a person gets diagnosed with an intraductal cancer, that's actually, it's already in the repair phase. The duct is already in healing and that is just the tissue refilling itself. Now, the fears, the so the problems that we can run into with this type of adaptation is ongoing conflict. So when you've been in conflict for months and years at a time, tumors can grow really big. We can widen the duct so much. We can There can be a cirrhotic breast. You can have the nipple pulling in. All sorts of things can happen if you're in conflict for a really long time. You know, in nature, conflicts are like pretty quick. Let's, oh, I lost my baby. Oh, nature just reproduces itself. Okay, let's get pregnant again. Let's, but it doesn't stick with the conflict for a really long time. But humans, we stick with our conflicts for a long time and we are reminded of them. And we look at pictures all the time, looking at pictures of your ex and of this past situation that keeps, it's like ripping the scab off. So you go into healing, then you rip the scab off. And then you go into healing and you rip the scab off. And so a person who's in that situation might get into a really confusing spot with their adaptation. We also have to take into consideration that for years, and so this is where it gets a little, if a person learns about GNM and they're like, oh, this makes so much sense to me and I understand that I had a separation conflict and that's where this adaptation came from. Now, what do I do? Do I do nothing? Do I do conventional? It's And that's where it's so unique to the individual because again, we have been raised in a culture where we have been taught to fear lumps and bumps to fear cancer, and you've got everyone against you pretty much. If you're working in any type of conventional capacity, you don't have that support. Most of your family thinks you're crazy for even considering not doing the prescribed treatment that your allopathic medicine doctor has given you. The doctor doesn't support you. And so it's this 
uphill battle. It's very difficult to navigate in a system that doesn't support, doesn't recognize, doesn't understand how biology functions. So often, you, if you are a person who deeply understands this, knows your conflict, knows it's resolved or is working to downgrade and resolve and find a solution to it, you'd have to navigate in a different way. Some people choose to still get a lumpectomy, again, simply because the weight of their past belief that, oh, I, am I making a wrong decision? That, that split of energy is very influential. And so that's where when it comes to coming across this information and saying, I'm going to use this in order to heal. It's like, this is how your body's operating, whether you realize it or not. Now, what you choose to do, you have to do that from a place of awareness of all the parts of your psyche, the pieces that might still be, have one foot on the ship of allopathic medicine thinking, but should I? And, and sometimes, and that's why often, and this is like a statistic that was alarming to someone who shared it with me. They're like, oh my gosh, people who do like holistic treatment for breast cancer have worse outcomes than those who do conventional. And I think that literally is simply because of the support that someone who does conventional has, whereas the person who does something alternative, often they don't have that support. And that support, again, that piece is really the what we're going for when we're trying to resolve a conflict. We want to feel connected. We want to feel supported. We want to feel like we have the answers and like we're doing the right thing. And often a person who's doing an alternative path feels very lonely and feels very not supported by the people around them. But those are the two different types of conflicts that lead to the adaptation that is labeled breast cancer, but either grows during the conflict or grows during the healing phase. And so a woman who's dealing with this would have to look at her experience, figure out what was the conflict, is it resolved, and then figure out what is the best course of action? What do I feel most confident about? What brings me the most peace? What makes the most sense to me? Not to my, not, it has to make sense to me. What I'm doing has to make sense to me. Yeah. And I find this so interesting too, just with people that I see that have cancer or specifically breast cancer. And a lot of times you get these conflicts that come up or big emotional traumas, big things in their life. And of course, they're not taught to put two and two together. And that's part of that broken system that we're in. And I think we would have been way further along in all of these, we call them natural or alternative, but they're really just this is how the body works, right? Techniques as Rockefeller hijacked medicine in the early 1900s and pretty much shunned all the natural healers and therapies and all these great, amazing natural techniques through people in jail. And we've had this century of conventional medicine that's completely wrecked us. We have the skyrocketing chronic disease epidemic and all kinds of these issues because we're so disconnected, I feel. But I appreciate you for always speaking about this stuff. And I've worked with you personally too. And I can share my story just briefly. One of the things that we were working on, I had uh, liver pain, uh, if you remember this. And I did all the stuff. I was doing enemas and supplements and all changing my diet, doing all kinds of different things. And we worked together. We were talking about how it's some kind of fear or dread of the future, if I remember right. And we were working through this. And I've, knock on wood, I don't think I've had liver pain since maybe a few times here and there, but it was pretty severe almost all the time, which is pretty wild. So if you want to talk about that, you can talk about that. The liver is either, we've either got the liver body, so the, the actual liver tissue, which is a starvation conflict, or the ducts, which is a territorial anger conflict. And you have to figure out what is the anger in my experience? Am I perceiving things through the lens of invasion of my territory or dread potentially, I guess, could be in a sense, this territorial anger. I'm dreading someone invading on my territory. Yeah, you have to get to what is, when did this start? 
and what was going on in my life. Did I get a new business partner? Did I want to kick my business partner out? Did I want to change the way I was doing something? Who is this about? And what about it is unresolved? How can I find a conclusion, find a resolution, bring more awareness to the situation? And you always want to find a practical resolution first. If it's a business partner and it's just not working and you're like, I'm trying, but I'm feeling invaded. I'm feeling like my boundary. I'm, I'm feeling like this isn't working for me anymore. Having the courage to end that relationship rather than suffering in silence and bottling it up. We find a solution to whatever it is that we're dealing with, or we have to change our perspective. Those are the ways to work with a conflict. We find practical always is going to be the most direct. That's when like when you're working with children and animals, they have to practically see a change in their environment. If the child is feeling separated from its mother, you have to rearrange your life so the child can return because you can't convince a child to change your mindset about the fact your mom's not here. It's, no, it's primal. It's built in to the child's biology to need its mother. And when the mother's not there, it's it, in nature, that means certain death for an infant or for a child that can't take care of itself. And so we have to see the biological meaning behind the conflict, um, behind the, the reason that I'm not okay right now. And we have to find a solution for it. We have to make it so that we arrange life around what supports life. And that's the problem with modern society is it's so inverted and it's against life. It's anti-life. And people are just traumatized and conflicted. And then we get to treat their chronic illness. And so when you see the bigger picture of how none of this makes sense and how everything, I love those memes where people are like, I don't need to be at a job. I need to be out at the river sunning my body and eating grapes off the, you know, off the vine. It's yeah, that's basically what life is supposed to be. But we have inverted it. We've created a whole system that isn't supportive of life. And that's actually one of the interesting things about, you know, the Germanic new medicine or Germanische Heilkunde, Germanic healing knowledge is the Germanic isn't about like Germany, the country or the fact that Dr. Hammer was German. It's about the ancient Germanic peoples. And so these are like these ancient cultures that lived in harmony with nature, that they weren't interested there's a, a book by Tacitus, this Roman scribe who basically went and observed these Germanic people. And they're like, didn't want to have anything to do with Rome. They're like, we don't want your money. We don't want to build cities. They lived like off the river and they lived off the land and they lived in harmony with, you know, with nature and the seasons. And they just had their way of life that they did things. And they knew they had an innate knowledge of all of how the biology functions and how to live a harmonious life. Whereas the Roman ideology, this is the slave mentality. This is the work really hard and make lots of money. And we live against the nature. We have people take out loans and we charge them interest and we get them in this slave debt trap. And so this really is, it's like, it's, yes, it's about like, where does a runny nose come from? Where does cancer come from? But it's also about like the huge philosophy of like, how do we run and operate life in society and what makes sense? and how everything about modern society doesn't make sense. Let me tell you about my favorite at-home biohack. If you follow me on the IG, you probably see me jumping in my infrared sauna all the time. This thing is lit. I love it for the amazing health benefits like improved detoxification, increased lymphatic flow, mitochondrial recharge, and cellular health, improved blood pressure, and immune function. But also, did you know, studies show that people who sauna multiple times a week have a drastically decreased risk of things like Alzheimer's, dementia, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty incredible. 
I love the Therasage Thera 360 Plus because of its super low EMF. It heats up super quickly. The earthing and gemstone technology built in. It's full spectrum infrared and red light, and it's portable. This thing is plug and go super easy. If you're ready to recharge and supercharge your health, check out the link in the show notes and enter Dr. Seth 10 for 10% off your order. You won't regret it. So how do you think we changed that? Because I mean, I think one, yeah. like you in your own life, everyone has to see is like, how am I feeding into the slave debt, sickness, symptom chasing, symptom suppressing system? Am I living my my message? Do I do am I living in alignment? Am I doing my best to return to that harmonious understanding my biology living in because but it is difficult because we are in this system where we don't have 150 person communities where everybody has the same values and we support one another and we we share yeah, this fu- for core fundamental values is really what society needs to be built off of is that we we have the same shared vision for what this community ought to be. And so we do have to do our best to bridge and create. We have to create the new. Destroying the old is, you know, and that's what people, we're, we're trying to fight against this just behemoth. And it's like, we just need to start creating more new. And I see that happening. And I do think that people are, they do get that and they are doing their own part to start to make that. But I do think it starts philosophically. It starts internally. It starts with your mentality, how you're you know, how are you handling your symptoms? Are you looking for solutions? Are you numbing to continue living in an unhealthy world? And that's what all pharmaceuticals do is they allow people to keep living <laughs> in this world. I'm going to just take my Prozac. And even though I hate the way my life is, I'm going to pretend that I'm happy. I'm going to numb this symptom because I don't have the courage. I don't, and a lot of it, I think does come down to self-devaluation is not feeling like I've got what it takes to create the life that I want. So I'm just going to, you know, take what I can get. And because I'm so devalued and that's part of it is social media. We look at everybody else's life and it's, oh, I can't do that. Or I don't feel like I can create what they created. And so again, it's fundamental self-devaluation. And if you're dealing with like chronic uh, headaches, body pain, uh, musculoskeletal symptoms, fibromyalgia, arthritis, these are all self-devaluation. It's I feel broken. I don't feel good enough. And I'm in, I've got tracks and reminders of not feeling good enough. And that's where these chronic pain issues come from. Fascinating. And I love your point about you can't change the behemoth of this broken system. (laughs) It's like, why would you want to change the system or we can just build a new one that's way better. And so it's cool to see people stepping out and doing that. And yeah, just living in their purpose and recognizing the exponential infinite power of our bodies and connecting with nature and doing all kinds of great stuff like that. So I love seeing that. I have so many patients, clients, people that I know having like GI issues and like brain issues. Where like, do you want to speak on that for a minute? And and what all totally so complex- gut issues. Yeah. So with gut issues, it's an indigestible morsel conflict. And so this can be, so if there's like constipation issues, that's an indigestible morsel that feels stuck. So this is something that I can't digest or it's in, I've got it, but I don't know how to process it. I can't move it forward. I have this thing that's unwanted. There's an anger, there's a situation and it's just, there's a stuckness there and I can't move past it. And so we go through bouts of constipation. And then when we finally resolve it, diarrhea. 
And so someone who's dealing with like irritable bowel type symptoms, it's because there's something that feels stuck and you're getting reminded of that stuckness when you're on that track of constipation and then you work through it and you have diarrhea. And so your work is to figure out what is it? What, what feels stuck? What can't I digest? What can't I process? Another symptom that can be experienced is something like Crohn's, something like you're having inflammatory issues and maybe you're having bouts of bloody mucus in the stool. So that has to do with, and it's an, it's also an indigestible morsel conflict that the body builds up additional tissue in order to either absorb. So another uh, interesting description for an indigestible morsel conflict is like feeling like someone has stolen the butter from your bread. And this is like this thing you're, so there's like a flavor of anger and deprivation or starvation. Like I had it and you took it away. Like I thought I had this thing and then it was snatched from me. And I, so I thought it was mine. So in my mind, I mentally digested it, but then it was taken away and now I don't have it and I'm angry about it. So again, we have to look at these unique themes and what was that in my life and how am I being continually reminded of that? And so the whole thing with like, food. And this is where it makes sense that people on their journey, they start to, you know, someone messaged the other day and they're like, if it's all emotional, then why didn't, when I did this diet, it, like all my symptoms went away. If we avoid certain foods are not the enemy. Food, it's not like the food, my old idea, what I taught people is that the food causes inflammation or the food is bad and it's the thing that's destroying your gut or the gluten is bad and it's messing with your, the gut lining and all that stuff. But now I see that the food is simply, it's a flag. The food was in your system when you couldn't digest that thing. And the food got flagged as a warning signal of this indigestible conflict of the situation. And so every time I eat the food, I have a flare up of the symptoms. And so I cut the food out and I'm like, oh, this diet saved me. This is, but the conflict's not resolved. You're simply avoiding the track, which is fine. Do that. Avoid the track. Don't keep stepping on the track that you know causes you know, your body to go back into this adaptation process. But, you know, if you want more freedom, and that's what I think a lot of people are feeling. I've talked to some people that could eat one food, four foods, where everything, you know, is a track. And so they're avoiding and it's okay, you can keep avoiding. But if you want more freedom, and if you want to be able to eat food again, let's find the conflict. Let's resolve what is, what, who is this about? What is this about? And can you find a resolution, practical resolution first? And if not, can you change your attitude, your perspective, your ideas about that situation that happened so that you can free yourself from this need to adapt. Because that's what it is. It's just this need to adapt. And every person is unique. Like these are the, everybody's got, we're working with the same tissues. We're working with the same map. But the creative expression of how that shows up for you as an individual is unique to you. And the solution that you need is unique to you. So a lot of people are like, how do you do it? How do you resolve a conflict? I'm like, what do you need? Like what? Do you need in order to be set free in order for this to, in order to digest like psychically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how do I digest and work through? Did you know we're exposed to exponentially more toxins than our ancestors? Things like plastics, heavy metals, VOCs, mold, chemical spills. These are all rampant. We're also seeing a rise in chronic health conditions like autoimmune diseases, anxiety, depression, GI issues, brain fog, just to name a few. See, toxins inflame your body and your brain. They alter your immune system. They can tear up your gut lining and throw your hormones completely out of whack. I see so many people with these issues like brain fog, fatigue, anxiety, mood swings, headaches, GI issues, 
And almost all the time, they cannot eliminate toxins out of their body. So what's the best and safest way to get toxins out of the body? It's opening your drainage pathways. Drainage before detox, always. This means that your gut, your liver, your kidneys, your lymph can all move and mobilize toxins that could be keeping you sick. Want to learn exactly how to do this step-by-step? Check out my drainage formula in the show notes below and enter pod 18 for 18% off the course. Now back to the show. The interesting thing too with the gut is that the further down deeper into the colon, the uglier the conflict is. So the shittier, it's like a shit conflict. So like an ugly, a lot of times it is, it's ugly, dark, it's things you typically don't want to talk about. And so often when a person's dealing with a conflict and it's, what's the thing you've never told anyone? What's like the ugly, dark secret thing that you don't want to talk about that's hard for you to process that maybe you've even blocked from your memory? And that's the thing, too, is people with certain conflicts are like, I can't remember. What happens if I can't remember? It's stored in your psyche. And one of the conflicts, a separation conflict that has to do with skin issues, memory loss is part of it because to remember it is to open that wound. And so the brain literally will delete things or make it so that you can't access it in that simply because or someone who has memory problems. It's because there's you've had a lot of separation conflicts, a lot of things that it's not safe for you to look at or think about on a regular basis because it would open up a wound. But when you can look at these things, and, and it does, when the more that you evolve as a being, as you recognize this and use it rather than a reason to feel bad, you're like, you know what, I'm going to use this. And that's the cool thing about GNM and, and understanding this whole map is you can use it as a catalyst for evolution. When you start seeing your conflicts and your traumas rather than as a reason to feel broken, as a reason to feel like a victim, you're like, you know what? I can work with this. I can turn this crap into compost. I can transmute this trauma into a learning and that can help me grow. That can help me help other people. And that's what we see healers and all kinds of people. What have they done? They've transmuted their trauma into something helpful, into something useful. They've seen instead of all the reasons to feel broken, They see all the reasons that they can grow through what has happened. And so it's helping a person to adopt that attitude that everything that's ever happened to me has actually been for me. And it's so that I can grow. And so just even adopting that attitude is so beneficial. And so many people heal just by that. And they don't even know specific, they didn't even do maybe specific work on their conflict. And that's a lot of times people are like, do I have to dig in? And yeah, sometimes you do have to dig in and try to find that original conflict. But sometimes a higher level idea or principle can inadvertently resolve a conflict for you simply because you change, you rearrange your beliefs about yourself. You stopped feeling stuck and broken and small and started feeling as though everything that's ever happened to you has made you into this superstar who can heal and overcome. And just that attitude can help you to close open loops, change conflicts, things can fall away. And yes, there's like this mix of doing specific work on specific like situations and memories, but also like developing a new attitude about yourself. Yeah. And speaking of attitude, I, and the stance on food is just like, so new to me and really interesting because I was with you taught about how the proteins in food, your immune system reacts, all this stuff. And then we shared a same client and she was respond to so many different foods and situations, environments and never ate gluten. And then they were out somewhere she'd been working through for a little bit. And I can't remember, they had a Papa John's pizza or something. And she's like, here we go. I'm trying it out. Hadn't had it in years, ate it. And she's like, I feel totally fine. So 
Do you have any other examples like that specifically with dietary stuff? I just found that fascinating. Totally. My own story is I used to respond every time I ate out at a restaurant, I would have a breakout. I'd have acne. And because I had this correlation, because I started learning about seed oils and how they're processed and how they, my idea was that these oils are inflammatory in and of themselves. If they get into my gut gets inflamed and my skin mirrors my gut. So I had this whole kind of internal imagery. And every time I ate, go to Chipotle, go anywhere I eat and I would have an acne breakout. And so would my partner. And it was like, like, and it was like, oh, I just can't eat anywhere. I have to cook at home because I just can't have these inflammatory oils. But once I learned the correlation with GNM that acne is feeling attacked or feeling soiled or dirtied or just gross or grimy in some way, that's what causes acne. I was like, oh, every time I eat this food, I have this subconscious just idea that this food is dirtying to me. It's bad. It's really, it's not good for me. It's inflammatory. And so I felt soiled when I would eat it. And I created this kind of, this conflict. I, I created this reaction response to food. I also had that years ago with dairy. I was like, oh, dairy. I read a book called Dairy the Deadly Poison or something. And I was like, oh, daring so bad. So I can't, dairy causes acne and this causes, and, and so I created all of these rules after learning about nutrition. And that's the thing though. There are people eating all these different diets it's not having acne. There's people having dairy, not having acne. People eating out at restaurants, not having acne. Okay, so that makes it not a law. The thing about, again, with the GNM, it's a law. When you feel attacked or you feel soiled, you have that shock experience, your dermis skin, there's a thickening, There's a your skin gets thicker to protect you from the thing, and then the body breaks it down when you no longer feel attacked or soiled. So I was like, oh, this, it's not the food. And that's the thing. It's not the food. It's you. It's your experience. It's what has been tied, what's been associated in the subconscious mind. So yeah, people being afraid. There's a, a great story of a woman who had an, uh, an allergy. She, she had an, an allergy to black pepper and would have terrible diarrhea anytime she had black pepper. And she, um, after learning GNN, she like she uh, put the connection back to 40 years ago where her mother had made a salad that uh, from their garden. And then I guess she told the daughter, oh, you know, crack some black pepper on the salad to cover up the aphids, like the little tiny bugs that come on the, the plants in a natu natural vegetable garden. And the daughter was disgusted. And she was like, she had an indigestible morsel conflict about the fact that she's been eating little bugs and her mother's been covering up with pepper. And so that was the association for her. And when she made the, and, and this is a thing, the when you make the connection and you realize that what happened then can't happen now, you bring it out of the darkness. Again, it's just programmed in. This is a safety mechanism, gets programmed in the subconscious mind, and it's like a program that your system runs. Not everyone's system runs that program to react to black pepper or to react to seed oils or to react to dairy. My system, your unique system is running that program until you open it up, you realize that what happened then can't happen now. Like this is a non-issue. My mother doesn't make my salads anymore. I don't have to, I, I get that this isn't a problem and it can go away. It basically closes out the program, removes the track so you can consume that food again. And people are able to do that. When, but if it's not, again, it's not just a psychological thing though. It's not, like, okay, I can eat the strawberries. Okay, every time I ever had strawberries before my throat, but I can do it. I can, it's, no, you have to re realize what was it about strawberries? When were strawberries in your system when you suffered a can't swallow conflict or a stink conflict or whatever your symptom is? And so it's not simply 
like a psychological realization. It is, it's beyond just the mind. It's this deep inner knowing that I'm never going to be in that situation again. Someone was allergic to was it apples because they got in trouble for going over to their neighbor's farm and eating some apples and they got yelled at. And so it was like this, that was a shocking, scary thing, but they realized, oh, that neighbor's dead <laughs> and I'm never going to get in trouble in that same way ever again because I'm not six years old eating an apple from my neighbor. Oh, so my body gets that the program closes and I no longer react to apples. Interesting. All this stuff is just, yeah, super fascinating to me. So I have another quote of yours that I found really that resonated and said, it's not the gluten, it's not the cheese, not the germ, not the sneeze, not the chemicals in the Febreze, not the grease or the dirt, not the detergent on your shirt, not the toxins in the mold. It's the conflict in your soul. Speaking of toxins for a minute, because I know we have way more toxins than we did 40, 50, 100 years ago for sure. How do toxins come into this picture? And then are more people, are, are some people more susceptible than others if they have a lot of these conflicts? Or how do you see that? So the way that I see the whole toxin story is that, is it good to have all the, the 200 different chemicals that are now in the umbilical cord flood that was, that is like in everyone, even if you live on a remote island? No, that's not ideal. That is, um, a very unfortunate reality of living in a factory society where we produce all sorts of stuff in this mass produced way and we use all sorts of solvents and persistent organic pollutants and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not good. It's not ideal. However, it doesn't cause cancer. Like it puts a load on this, like the body is always detoxing. And that's the thing. The body's always adapting and it's always adapting to all sorts of different environments. And so I see the body is extremely resilient, extremely adaptive to whatever happens all the time. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. If, if the chemicals, if the toxins that were pervasive everywhere were, were winning, like we really, we wouldn't be here. Again, we are adaptive. We do a really good job at detoxing. So there is poisoning. And that's one of the things like with GNM, you can have a poisoning, an injury, or a malnutrition that causes symptoms in the body not related to a conflict. So there wasn't a DHS. There wasn't a conflict shock. There was a straight up poisoning. But the thing for me that's different between straight up poisoning and like the idea of accumulation of toxic exposure over time is the immediacy. Like that for me is what makes sense is like an injury, pretty immediate. You, you fell, you broke something. That's not necessarily a conflict. I do think that there's spiritual reasons that we, you know, manifest physical injuries that ultimately does have to do with internal conflict and unresolved stuff. Um, so I, personally think it's all connected. Even someone who is exposed to say a poison though is like an immediate reaction. I get the poison in my body, the poison immediately my body starts to eject it. That to me is a poisoning versus the idea of this is the, this rash on my left elbow is a detox process or this cold is a shedding detox process. That to me doesn't make sense. What makes sense is that you had a separation conflict with your mother and you're right-handed and that's why you can't hug your mother because of the scamdemic. And so that's why you have a rash on your left elbow. So that's what makes sense to me rather than the idea of my body is shedding toxins through my skin or you had a stink conflict of frustration and annoyance. Your sinuses adapted. Now they're in the healing phase rather than, oh, my body is cleansing toxins through my sinuses. That doesn't make sense to me. It used to make sense to me, but this map 
makes more sense. So as far as avoiding toxins, yeah, I don't go out of my way to eat seed oils. I don't go out of my way to use chemical fragrances and things like that. But I no longer make it a problem if I'm walking down the grocery aisle and I walk next to the detergents and smell them. I used to have a sneezing fit every time I walked by the detergent aisle because I smelled all those chemicals and dryer sheets and these, these all it's neurotoxic. And so I had this idea that all of these fragrances are neurotoxic. They're causing problems. And I, I felt poisoned every time I walked by it. Every time I walked in the neighborhood and someone had their dryer running and the dryer sheet smelled just like billowing out, I'd get mad. Yes. <laughs> and now I just chill about it. Now I'm like, Okay, I'm not going to choose to do that, but I'm also not going to inflict a conflict on myself of, oh, this stinks and there's nothing I can do. And I'm a victim of a bad society that uses bad chemicals and perfumes and colognes and stuff like that. And I do my best to avoid it. I don't use it in my home, but I also don't make it a problem. I chill out about it because I know my body's always detoxing. My body can adapt. I'm not going to freak out about something I can't control. I'm only going to do what I can do control what I can control, and then trust that my body is always adapting and is going to find a way to thrive no matter what environment I'm in. And that's, again, an attitude. It's an inner conviction and a knowing that like, I'm fine and I'm not going to freak out about chemtrails or this or that. I'm going to do what I can. And if I use orgone and all the cool devices that you can do to clear the chemtrails around you, it's do that stuff because it it feels good and it makes sense for you to do it, but don't freak out about the the stuff that seems uncontrollable because that is a conflict of feeling powerless in my environment or self-devaluation. That's how I handle the whole toxin situation. Essentially, our response or uh, our perceived response to toxins, foods, events, all this stuff can be worse than the actual things on our internal yeah. physiology, our biology. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. What do you think the purpose uh, of things like parasites and bacteria are? So that's the fourth biological law. And so Dr. Hammer discovered that bacteria, parasites, microorganisms, they are seasonal workers in the body. And so what they do is once, so with the old brain, and the uh, these old brain tissues, the bacteria, the tubercular bacteria, decompose tissue after it's been built up. And so that's why if we see, oh, bacteria in the body, we say, oh, the body, this is an infection. This bacteria shouldn't be there or it's pathogenic. There are no pathogenic bacteria. So what it is that bacteria hang out dormant and they know this. There, there are people that have what they call latent TB, which means they've got tuberculosis bacteria in their body, but they don't have an infection. They're not coughing. They're not having any symptoms. So what that means is that the tuberculous, tubercular bacteria just chill. They just hang out. Strep bacteria just chill. They just hang out. They're just there, seasonal workers. They hang out in the tissue layer where they do their work. And then when you resolve a conflict, when they become necessary, they activate the brain. So after you resolve the, a conflict, the psyche brain organ, the psyche picks up on the resolution, the brain changes the signal to that tissue and the tissue starts to repair. And that repair process involves the bacteria starting to go to work. And so when we, so there is no infection. So that used to be like my idea of like a urinary tract infection. I had this vision in my mind that a bad bacteria crawling up the urethra and it's infecting the lining of the urethra. And so we need to take cranberry juice or take antibiotics to clear that bacteria out. But what's happening is that bacteria is helping with the restoration process, is helping with the breakdown or restoration process. That's what it does. 
And so we misinterpret the activity of the bacteria when we say there's an infection and we need to get rid of it. And so that is not understanding the whole two phases. We're just looking at the effect rather than understanding the cause. We're looking at the fire truck at the house and saying, oh, the fire truck caused the fire. And no, it's there, but it's doing a job. It's doing work. So with parasites, parasites, you can think of them as like the big guns. So if you've got a chronic indigestible morsel conflict, so you are building up tissue, breaking down tissue, building up, breaking down, building up, breaking down. And so you've got a lot of like debris in your gut that needs to be broken down. If you encounter a parasite, that parasite is only going to stay and hang out in your system if it's got a job, if it has something there to break down. That's why, because people are exposed to parasites all the time, but don't have a parasite infection. It's only for the person who's dealing with a chronic indigestible morsel conflict where the parasite is, oh, hey, there's a lot of stuff here to eat and break down. I'm going to hang out here for a a while. And, you know, then we cleanse and we are seeing all these parasites and we're freaking out about it. Really, we just have to figure out what's the chronic indigestible morsel conflict. How am I reactivating this biological conflict? Why is it necessary for this uh, parasite to be here? And so, again, when you start seeing the meaningfulness and the, because there is only nature only does what is useful. Nature only does what is biological, what makes sense. And so nothing that ever happens in the body is purposeless or senseless or random or haphazard. It's controlled. It's running off of these laws. And when I can zoom out and see the full context in which this, you know, parasite infection is taking place, I can say, oh, this makes sense. So what are, and I think everyone could benefit from knowing how to work through all these processes and do this stuff. What are some things that you do maybe daily, weekly that really help you either feel connected to your body or healthier or more vibrant or a better expression of yourself? Yeah, my work really surrounds awareness. So because it's paying attention to what's flying through my mind all day. What, how am I reacting to a symptom? How am I reacting to what's going on in my life, my financial situation, my relationships, you know, my identity, how I feel about myself? It's because that's the stuff. And if I, most people are just lost in their experience. They, and this was me too, before I got into this work, I was just lost in my experience. I was like, you know, I was reacting to everything and I thought that this is just the way that it is. And I didn't question my thoughts. I didn't question my reactions. I didn't, I wasn't curious about the creative process of engaging in life. <laughs> and so that's, and this is interesting is that I actually got into the awareness work before I even found GNM and like this biological map. And so I was doing this and seeing, whoa, there's so much more. And this is where, you know, initially I had gotten away from the traditional chiropractic work I was doing and lifestyle medicine, you might say, of, you know, eat this, don't eat that and do these exercises and do all of this lifestyle stuff. I was like the queen of all stuff, change your lifestyle. And, but I found after doing that for five years that people still have the same stuff going on. Even after we did the makeover and changed the diet and cleansed them and got them doing detoxes and doing all this stuff and they're everything in their shower, they've got all clean products, but they still have internal stuff going on. And so that's where I got more interested in the psyche, in the mind, in what's going on behind those scenes. Once we've changed all the physical outside stuff, there's still stuff back there. And so that was that journey into the mind, into the psyche, 
My partner and I, we teach a class called Awareness School, which is like a, a masterclass deep dive on the psyche, on the mind, understanding how do I create my experience of reality. And so I do that all the time. I do this awareness process because I find that what is making this an issue for me? What are the sticking points in your life? What does your mind? Compulsive thinking is an indication that you've got a, con uh, a conflict that's active. And so like, where does my mind keep going? What problem does my mind keep going back to? When I wake up in the middle of the night, and something's on my mind. What is it? Because that's my unresolved conflict. That's the thing that I either need to physically change in my environment or I need to find a different perspective of it so I can feel differently about it. And one of the things you had us do in that school was like setting a timer and auditing your thoughts and what you were doing every so often. And that was really powerful to see because so many of us go down to those ruts into just our old habits and things like that. So it's very empowering when you can realize and catch yourself, oh, okay, I'm not going there. There's this new empowering way I can do things. So that was a good one. I remember that. It's, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's so effective. And if you've never audited your thoughts before or questioned, it's, oh, I can just do that. And I am in control. The thoughts don't control me. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Before we close up, and I want to hear a little bit more about how you help people. So this is the Uncensored Truth Podcast. And on this podcast, we can say anything, which is amazing, right? So what is one censored truth that you would love for people to know? Anyone listening and people around the world, what is like one thing you wake up and you're like, I'm on fire because people need to know X, Y, or Z? One of the latest things, and, and this again, Dr. Hammer and the map that he figured out is about sexuality and the whole kind of gender situation is that sexual trauma for young kids changes their brain and it makes girls more boyish and boys more female. Mm -hmm. And so it changes the dynamics of how you feel. And so the whole kind of uh, transgender movement and the pressure for this, if you see a lot of the curriculum that they are trying to push through to zero to four, four to nine, these like very young um, age brackets, like the sexual education is absolutely traumatic. Yes, and yes. because a child doesn't have any way to express, like a child shouldn't be aware of things of a sexual nature until their hormone are their sexual hormones have awakened in their body, which for, you know, girls is at age 11 for boys at 13, 14. Mm -hmm. So until that happens, they should be blissfully ignorant of all things of a sexual nature and trying yep. to pressure and even just the all the programming on TV, like so many things can just be a sexual shock, something that confuses a child, something that they compulsively can't get out of their head. And so this can be even innocent things like them walking in on their parents having sex. But parents need to be aware of the impact of sexual shock. Sometimes parents are going to be like, I'm going to teach it. even like religious parents are like, I'm going to teach it to my children in this way so they get the right education. But it's, it's too early and they're not ready for it. And sometimes yeah. even well-meaning parents who are simply trying to get ahead of something or to teach can cause inadvertently a sh sexual shock to their child that changes that, the way that child expresses. And by studying Homer's work and the brain and how we perceive different things. Again, we change the way that we parent. We change the way that we handle kids and society in this and we stop. We absolutely are ruthless about stopping any sort of sexual education to children at all. It's like an absolute, this can't happen. No, you cannot do this because it is damaging to children. I 100% agree. And I think what they've done 
purposefully was create this. It's it's hard to describe this disgusting way they've had people. They're so out of touch with their body, with their beliefs and things like that. And it's so confusing to people. It's so confusing to these kids that are coming up today. And I do think it's all on purpose too. But yeah, it's terrible. I agree. So, well, yeah, because when you disembody someone and you disconnect them from their body and you get them confused and they don't feel good and it is, it's, it's actually the transgender movement is eventually intended for transhumanism. So, yeah. oh, you don't even feel good in your body here. Let's, it's like black mirror. Let's upload you into the cloud where you can choose your avatar. You can choose anybody. And, and, and it's all about control because a broken person is a controllable person. And so a person who doesn't even feel embodied in their sexuality and feels so disconnected from their body that they literally want to rather have surgery to remove the organs that they've been given that they were born with than to learn a different way of navigating in the world. It's, I don't understand how people can't see that it is, like you said, a, an overt agenda to break people, to get them bonded, trauma bonded to the system and have a bunch of people who are willing to do whatever the authorities say. Yep. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. And these are the tools that people need to work through this stuff. Yeah, it's just really well. Anyways, <laughs> thank you, Doc. Hey, where can people find you? And can you talk a little bit? Now you talked about awareness school, but you want to talk about anything else, how you help people as well? Yes, my website is drmelissacell.com. My YouTube channel is a great place to start. Also, just to dive a little bit more into all of this, there's tons of videos on there where you can learn the biological stuff. And then also my approach to how do we work with this? How do we change our minds? How do we develop greater awareness around self-devaluation, identity stuff, separation conflict? How do I change my view, my perception? My partner and I, we have a whole library of courses where we teach different, again, ways of thinking. Let me think in a new way about this. There's awareness school, which is like a huge masterclass deep dive. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I take a limited number of people every month to go through what's going on with you? <laughs> what happened to you? What went on in your life? What's unresolved in your life? What do you need to find a solution for? And that's also an option for people who want to dive deeper. But yeah, I highly encourage you, if you are coming across German New Medicine, Germanic Healing Knowledge, you are one of the lucky ones. Be an early adopter. Get on this because this map, it truly is, it's going to help you enhance like whether you are a, already in like a health coach or someone who works with people, you've got to have this map. You can you do whatever it is that you do, but with this map, it's going to make it so much more effective. You might need to change some things, but it's worth it to rearrange your philosophy and what you teach around the basics of nature and the basics of biology. And I do think that Dr. Hammer, he, we don't have any better map that exists that I know of other than this and get into it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And watch some of those YouTube videos to see how they resonate with you too. But I think these are great tools for that everyone can learn and pick up and then utilize every single day. It's super cool. I'm glad I went through it. All your stuff too, Doc. So I really appreciate you coming on today, dropping some knowledge bombs. I know everyone appreciates. Thank you for listening and I hope you go enjoy your ducks and your cow today. Go get dirty, go get muddy and mm -hmm. we'll talk again real soon. I certainly will. Thank you, Seth. This was great. Thanks for joining us in this week's podcast. You know, we need more brave people like you who can share this message of hope and truth to a world that's completely upside down. If this podcast resonated with you, I'd ask you to share it with a friend or even better, share it on socials and tag me. For more resources on natural health, freedom, merch, and my mission, check out Dr. Seth Gerlach. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode that comes out and leave us a review so we can spread these uncensored truths with as many people as possible. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you.